The Bears are what we thought they were. Loser. Loser. They are who we thought they were. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Losing the game is tough. It's difficult. Uh, too many penalties. We've got to get more points in our first half offensively. For Justin to, to lead that offense down there and finish with a touchdown is uh, it was really good. But in the end, we didn't finish. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. Montgomery gives it off to Mooney. It's Mooney who strolls into the end zone untouched. McLeod from his 20. The ball comes out. That's Houston Carson into the end zone. Signal is touchdown. Fields under some pressure. Throws on the run. Lost one of the end zone and is caught. It's Mooney for the touchdown. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Great. Great. We are done. Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Let's get it. Oh, he did it again. He's muted for the second time in two weeks. This is the first time it's ever muted. So every single time I have never had to unmute. This is the first time that has ever happened. So it, muted it, so it muted itself. It was not on you. I've never done that before. This is the first time it's done that to me. You're off the hook. All right. Oh, I appreciate Excuse me while I tweet that our show is happening right now. Um, anyway, it is Wednesday, November. What did I say last week, too? Didn't I get the month wrong last week? Didn't I say that? Yeah, I- you got you, you said October, but it was November. It's November. It's November 10th. Bears Nation podcast. Did you guys miss us? We're back. We missed you. I know we didn't do a show Monday because Kevin had to do. No, Kevin had to do stuff. Well, the game was Monday. That's what happened. Yesterday, Kevin had to do big boy video stuff, and so we just did today. Because, you know, we got a bye week next week, so there's really nothing to talk about for next week other than, you know, big picture stuff, which we'll do next week. So, here we are, doing the recap on our regular spot on Wednesday. And we have a lot to talk about. Kevin, I have an official announcement. First of all, actually, I have two things to say. First of all, I would like my props from you for being right about Cole Komet. I remember something to the extent of... Uh, why do you have to see what that guy gives you? Uh, it's not about that right now. Uh, bleh, that guy's not giving you anything. Uh, I was right. I was well, right. I was right. Cole Komet had his best career game of the season of his career. Best career game of the season. Yep. I know it was redundant. It's fine. We're working through it. But the bigger point is, Kevin, that I was right and you were wrong. And yes, that does happen more often than it doesn't on this show. But so this is what we're doing now. This one feels really good because I've been on this train since last season. I was on the Cole Komet, the first touchdown game where we want some people some money. I've been saying that the breakout's coming. You've been just poo-pooing this idea, saying that he stinks and that he's nothing. And here we are. Here we are. I was right. And it feels great. Oh, so, okay. So we're going to go down the list of, of times then we were right about, oh, I see Jake. I, oh, we could do this for an hour. We could do this for multiple hours. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and accept defeat about Cole Komet. What do you mean? He had a good game. He had a good game. Okay. And it is his first time having over like 60 yards in his career. Second, he had 87, time. second time he had 87 on what? Seven catches or six. I think it was like six for 87, but to be fair, that that boy Jimmy Graham did some things as well. He 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 played well. Um, but no, you're gonna you gotta give credit to Cole Komet as much as I hate to do it for this for Jake's you know braggadocious sake. Uh, you have to give credit to him. He played well, and this is you're starting to see the glimpses of what you thought you were getting when you drafted him in that spot. I, I never hated Cole Komet the player. I hated Cole Komet the pick, and that's what a lot of people say. And the only reason, the only basis and argument I have for that is because the guy that you could have and should have I thought taken Antoine Winfield yep. is playing really really well. in Tampa Bay and it's a position of need now. So that's the, in hindsight, now that's the only reason why people were including myself a little bit angry about that pick. But now like that is in the past. You have to deal with what you have. You have to evaluate what you have. And Cole Komet has looked better. He's starting to become that sort of guy that you thought he would be. And we say this all along and people tend to forget it as well. Tight ends take longer to develop. Now you throw in a different play caller with Blair Laser in the mix. You throw in a different rookie quarterback into the mix. That development takes even longer than what the projection was supposed to be. So where you expect him to be at this point, November 10th, in his second year, is already going to be delayed from what you thought the projections would be when you initially drafted him. So you right. have to look at it that way instead of just, well, he's in his second year. Now he should be doing more. Like if this is now 
the start of his sort of, you know, upward projection, that's, and it, it maybe it was a few months, maybe a few months too late. I don't care as long as you're going to get it at some point. Um, <laughs> better late and, than never. Right, better late than never. So you had to have liked what you saw out of Cole Komet on, on, on Monday, rather. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, and we'll get into it. I mean, there was a lot of things that you like to see on Monday, even though the result didn't go the way you wanted. You lose 29 to 27 on Monday Night Football. You know, it happens, whatever. I, I mean, some very, very controversial, we'll say, officiating, which has been talked about at nauseum all over every on ESPN and local media, national media, everywhere. But we'll get into that. And obviously you've, like I said, ad nauseum, so we won't get into it too much. We'll get there. But my God, the Justin Fields breakout game. I I mean, the San Francisco game was good. Like, don't get me wrong. It was good. It was that first like leap, I would say, rather than baby step. It was that first leap that we saw that we were like, okay, here we go. The Pittsburgh game. My God. Talk about a leap because the San Francisco game, it was the running. And we we're like, all right, here we go. He's starting to have that instinct as a runner. He's starting to pull it down when he doesn't like what he sees and he's taking off. Some of those throws that Justin Fields made on Monday night, especially in the second half, it, I mean, he finishes the day 17 for 29, 291 yards, blows past his previous season high, almost gets to 300 yards, throws for a touchdown. I mean, has an interception, but which is like, eh, it wasn't a great decision, but, you know, it happens. It was at the line. Again, we, we've we've been very generous about overlooking Justin Fields' interceptions this season. We're not going to stop yet, <laughs> so we're going to keep going with that right. and focus on the good. But holy crap, Kevin. I mean, like I said, we saw the first big leap in the San Francisco game. This was like two leaps. like Because it wasn't, for the longest time, we saw just the flashes. Like a couple plays here and there. The San Francisco game was more of a complete game, especially as a runner. But this was, as a runner, as a passer, decisions, the lead, like everything. It was really what you saw. And it wasn't even like, this isn't even as as good as he can be, is the thing. Like, this wasn't Justin Fields. He had a very, very good game. This is, cut, is scratching the surface of what we think can happen with Justin Fields. And it felt really good to, on a national stage, against a good defense, against one of the top defenders in the NFL, against a really, really good defensive back in the NFL, against a really, really, really good interior lineman in the NFL, and he and Justin Fields went out there and he, you know, the whole offense had a poor first half, but mm -hmm. really pulls it together in the second half and shows you just a slight glimpse of what you know, the next 10 years can look like. And that's the key, what you mentioned, the fact that it was on primetime and against a good defense. And I, I you talk about this wasn't right, the Lions. I mean, I know. And, and I and what did I say in the pregame show? I said, look, Justin Fields shines brightest under the lights. I mean, that is that is where like he is not you know, a stranger to this moment. He's not a stranger to the bright lights and in the primetime moments, he always steps up. And that's exactly what he did. And you could talk about the stats all you want. You could talk about, you know, 291 yards, the completion percentage, all that's fine, all that's great. I don't care. You could talk the same way about Mike White and his 400-yard performance and his first <laughs> ever, you know. You know, people, and there's people who will make that argument. Here's the difference between Justin Fields, Mike White, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, all of those guys, all the rookies at the moment, uh, is the fact that he did it on prime time in a very extremely hard place to play, needing a touchdown with you know two thirty to go, went on the field in like thirty seconds and got you the game, you know the go ahead touchdown. Yep. Not many quarterbacks can do that. You could talk all day about what happened in quarters one through three in the first thirteen minutes of the fourth quarter. What sticks out about Justin Fields and why he's so special and why you come away from this game feeling more positive after a loss than you ever have is that. The Bears have never, I don't want to say they've never had a guy that can do that, but it just felt different. Not to, and not throw, to this extent. Like not to this extent. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky had the Dallas games. He had mm -hmm. the Tampa Bay games when they were still bad, but not to this extent against this kind of opponent on this kind of stage. Mitch Trubisky, I think As the Dallas game. Yeah, and, and the Dallas game, I think, with Mitch a couple of years ago is what you maybe point to. Like That was a Thursday night game, I want to say. I believe yes, that was yep. And like that was prime time, and he did mm -hmm. a lot with his legs in that game, especially. But that Dallas defense was, I mean, Dallas's defense has been poop for a very long time. And you know, this, and like you said, as a rookie, but I mean, man, that I mean, this was just and he he had 17 completions, which I mean his his highest of the season is 22. His next highest is 19. This is his third most completions in a game on his second highest passing attempt total. But he went over his previous highest in passing yards 
was 209. He yeah, cleared that he by went, almost 90 yards. He clearly like on only was, 17 completions. Right. Exactly. And something that I immediately, as soon as it happened, it's something that I put in my brain. Cause I wanted to mention it today. We've been talking about, and you specifically have been talking about for a, a few weeks now that Justin Fields will not make the same mistake twice. And we saw it in the second half. He had a deep ball, just missed Darnell Mooney. He had to die for it, hit his fingertips, was a little overthrown. Couple plays later, boom, down the sideline, deep ball. Allen Robinson comes down with it. Perfectly placed, beautiful, beautifully thrown ball. Like, that was the epitome of what you've been talking about for weeks, Kevin. Like, you've been making that point forever. And you saw it. And that was a on-the-fly adjustment that happened probably a couple minutes apart. I mean, I believe it was the yeah, same drive, yeah. if, I, if I remember correctly. Uh, I can't remember if it was the same drive or not, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, and and it's just those types of plays where those are the plays that we've been looking for in this offense. And really, yep. as a Bears fan for years, it, it's not just getting that play. It's getting that play at the opportune times. And that's why I'm going to keep going back to making that play on the road in one of the loudest stadiums, one of the loudest environments against a top 10 defense in that moment is just increasingly difficult to do. Like, it, it, he's not relying on his receivers to get yards after the catch. As much as right. I do want that to happen at times, obviously that's an element of the offense that I would like to see. It seemed like every throw that he made, he was either throwing the guy open or it was just, uh, it was good coverage and it was just right on the dot. There's just no nothing the defender can do. I mean, that the was the exact, that, exactly. That, the, that, I mean, he threw Darna Mooney open and literally put it in the only spot yep. that Darna Mooney could catch it with the room that he had to the sideline. And Justin Fields is rolling out to his left, throwing it across his body while moving to the left. I mean, that throw, I don't think people understand the difficulty of that throw. And this, and like Mitch Trubisky was never going to make that throw. Never, I, never, never. There's a lot, Jake, there's a lot of guys in the NFL who can't make that throw. Yep. I mean, like that highlight, I, I know if you, the video that I'm kind of envisioning from the, the shot from the back of the end zone where you can kind of see Justin, you know, sling it, sidearm <laughs> across his body. Like those are Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen type things yep. that only those guys can do. Obviously with respect to some other names I didn't mention, yeah. uh, Tom Brady can't do that. Like, you know, not as good as Tom Brady, not he could never like make that type of play running to On his the left yeah, crossbody midair type throw. Like, and that's not, and I, I'm not here saying Justin Fields is better than Tom Brady. I'm just telling you <laughs> that as a rookie, just the things that he can do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything you want. And this is why the, the one thing you want to see, look, I, I wanted to win and I'm going to, and I'm pissed. You didn't get a win, Yeah. but you're seeing development from your rookie quarterback now. Mm -hmm. And it was Colin Coward who I think it was Colin Coward who alluded, alluded to this on his show. Would you rather be Pittsburgh who won that game and are now five and three on the season, but had Ben Roethlisberger and no future at QB <laughs> or the bears who got cheated out of a win should have won the game and have a future at QB for the next 10 years. You'd take the Bears situation 10 out of 10. You had, is this the most positive you felt after a loss since being a bears fan? Honestly, like I, I, you could honestly make that argument Probably. given this situation. I'm sure there was some kind of Mitch Trubisky game maybe in his rookie year that maybe you felt good after losing. But yeah, I mean, in, in recent memory over the last couple of years, yes, for sure. And that was actually going to be my second point of, you know, before I took my victory lap on Cole Komet and we kind of got sidetracked. Like my second <laughs> like proclamation was going to be, you're out of the playoff picture probably now. Like you're going to need a really, really, really hot streak which I don't think yeah. is likely for this team to pull off, but you're walking away. And I mean, you read any column, you watch any show over the last couple of days, they're going to say this to you. You're walking away from this game as a bears fan happy. I know moral victories only get you so far and they're worth less than that. That's fine. But that being said, I, like I said, in the beginning of the show, this was exactly what you were waiting for. The San Francisco was a big step forward. This was a leap and a half forward. Like this was all of it coalescing, coming together, and I hate to say it, but a well-called game on the offensive side. a Not a well-coached mm. game, God knows, because of the penalties, but a well-called game. You opened things up. You used, like you made other stuff work. The Darnell Mooney run, yeah, we've seen that once mm -hmm. maybe this year that I can think that I can think of. Maybe I'm missing another one, but that doesn't happen often. The offensive line against TJ Watt and against Hayward and against these uh, good defense – stuck up and, and they played with some pride and they played really well. I thought Larry Borum was awesome. Jason Peters was, and eh, he went out for a, a little bit, but 
for the most part, like the offensive line took another step forward. They showed you what they can be. Hopefully when Tevin Jenkins, you know, eventually plays that takes another step forward. Like it, it was just a lot of things like you got a Marquise Goodwin sighting. <laughs> you had an Allen Robinson sighting more importantly. Yeah, exactly. You had an Allen Robinson. You had over that. So Darnell Mooney, obviously, you know, he's been Justin Fields guy. He's the guy. You had an Allen Robinson sighting. You had a Cole Komet breakout. You had a Jimmy Graham sighting, which the tight end got, you know, negated, which it shouldn't have been. But the touchdown, God yeah. knows we all know that. You had a Marquise Goodwin contribution. Like it was all like that's five guys right there. And I mean, obviously. You know, there's offenses out there that do it better, and they get those guys more involved because obviously the Goodwin one, he only stood out for that play. Graham, he really only stood out for that. He had a couple other nice plays that you were like, oh, Jimmy Graham, hey, how about that? So, but even for the most part, those top three, Mooney, Komet, Robinson, like that's huge. You have not seen all three of those guys have a good game ever, mostly because Cole Komet was only been here for a year and a half and so <laughs> Mooney, but in those last season and a half, there was never a time that those three guys all had a very productive game. And I know, I know, I know, I know it's a loss. Yeah, it sucks. But like, this is something that, like I said, moral victories only get you so far and they're worth less than that. But like, it's just very hopeful. And I still don't believe in this coaching staff and I still don't like, it still could be better, obviously. Right. But things are progressing in the way that you want them to. And I'll go back to my original point. So we don't forget the playoffs. I don't care about that anymore. Like playoffs. I am not expecting a playoff team. I'm expecting a team. That's probably going to be, I mean, eight and nine, seven and 10, but I will be fine with that. If you still get games, like you got Monday night, if you get games that you're losing because of crappy officiating and a missed 65 yard kick that looked like it was way closer than it was. I am fine with that because if Justin Fields plays like this, if Cole Kmet, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, Dave, uh, Dave Montgomery play like this, I am fine with that. And the thing is, you'll probably get a couple more wins because you're going to get healthier. Akeem Hicks will heal up, heal up eventually. Khalil Mack will heal up eventually. Robert Quinn will stop lining up offsides at some point too. Like eventually you will stack a couple more wins. I still think that last four games is where you're really going to see this team kind of Mm-hmm. really come together and really show you what they can be next year. And I mean, credit to Joe Ostrowski. He said this today on the show that I work with him, like teams are always trying to go into the off season with momentum. But I think in this case, like it's a little different than say like the lions, the lions are garbage. They have so they have little and less to work with on their roster for a team like the bears. When you have a Justin Fields and a Darnell Mooney and a Cole Komet and Dave Montgomery and a, you know, a, some in a Roquan Smith, and a ball nickels and guys that, you know, you can take into the core of the next couple of years, that momentum counts a little bit more. And even if it's not momentum, just development. And I do think that even if you're not stacking these wins and you're not going to make the playoffs, the development's huge. And I think you're getting this right before the bye week Justin Fields has a lot to work with over the bye week And then he gets to come out and you get to come out here. And one of the first games after the bye you're going to have, is Thanksgiving right back in primetime against the Lions, who you already beat once, who you already had a stepping stone game against in one of the first games you started. Like, I'm looking forward to that. You, you got to get past the Ravens first, which is going to be a tough game, but then you get the Lions right out of the bye. And I, and, like, I know I'm rambling at this point because I've gone so many different ways with this rant, but, I mean, this was just a very good game to look at the future and say, okay, I can actually feel good about the next couple of years. This is the happiest you've been in a while, honestly. And and as you should be, as every Bears fan should be. I mean, there's nothing wrong. It's hard not to be. Like, yeah, moral victories only last so long, sure. But if there is one time the Bears can enjoy, Bears fans can enjoy moral victory, it's now. I mean, you you can't, like, it, this is the exact situation where moral victories are, are, you know, you can only have so many of them. But this is one of the times where you can enjoy them. And right. there's something to be said about going to the offseason with momentum. I mean, that's going to happen regardless. Like, they're gonna, you're going to go into the offseason with arguably the most attract. Like, this is a thing you have to consider now as we talk a little bit big picture. The Bears are going to have a new head coach. They, they've already started the search. There, there's no doubt the Bears are going to have a new head they've coach. They've already started okay? the search. What? There are some reports that they already started the search, and Brian Dable is one of the names. I don't know how reliable that source is, but there's some rumors about that. Um, I mean, I believe it. I Like, I, I'm not. I would just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. It's not from the mouth of Brian Pace or George right, McCaskey, yeah, well. <laughs> but there's some buzz from people who say they know things in the organization. Anyway, 
Chicago is arguably going to be the top free agent destination spot in, or one of the top free agent destination spots in the offseason. I mean, you would have a new head coach. If you hire a head coach that people want to play for, that depends on how much cap room you can clear. They're going to have a lot. No, they're, they're, no, they're not going to be in cap hell at the end of this year if they make the right decisions, cutting the right players. I mean, they, they can open up a, (laughs) yeah, questionable whether they can make the right decisions. (laughs) Uh, They can open up a lot of money. But what I'm trying to say is you have a rookie quarterback who has proven to be, he can be a top 10 quarterback next year. I truly believe that. Cool. Um, if you hire a head coach who, you know, people know is likable, who is a player's coach, who people want to go play for you add in the fact that you're in the Chicago market, they're becoming a more attractive destination. That's why like, I wouldn't have been surprised if OBJ had put Chicago on his list of destinations. You know, if that happened in the off season, maybe versus now, if he wants really wants to win a Super Bowl in 2021, but the bears are going to be a team that you look at the chargers they're you're, you're like, I hate having to do this every year where we kind of find a team for the bears, like to follow uh, as far as what their model and, and their blueprint to success was, but that like the chargers were a bad team last year. And now Justin Herbert uh, is there. They were, and they're like, they were, I, I think they were kind what of like was the their bear, record, a, a very, but I think they were a very mediocre team, very like mediocre, an, a, aggressively mediocre team, which I think is what the bears are. And they didn't, I, make I don't know whole... why I'm arguing with you about that. I just, no, you're right. I mean, they didn't make a whole lot of free agent decisions to like really elevate their roster that much. It's and now they're coach. five and three in the mix and that it's, it's coach and it's, it's, it's coach and it's quarterback. And, and this is why I've said this for all along. Everybody should know this. Having a good quarterback is – you can suddenly win every game. You can suddenly see things that you saw on Monday night versus having a good defense. Chargers were 7-9 last year, by the way. Okay, that's – wow. The, they, You're right they on pace the same. for that. <laughs> You're right on pace for that. You're right on be, pace for that. 7-10, but – I could see them being – if I had to guess at this point, they're probably an 8-9 or yeah. something. You're going to be which, in that range. Which could get you into the playoffs in the yeah. NFC. I mean, it's – the Falcons are seventh right now at four and four. So it's bad. But nonetheless, like what I saw on Monday was just the fact that and what I've spoken about for weeks is you can win with good offense and average defense. You can't win anymore with good defense, average offense. We finally saw a game where the defense didn't play its best, which, right. you know, to their credit, they did not have Khalil Mack. They did not have Eddie Jackson. You saw the effects of that throughout the game based on the pressure that they were not able to get on Ben Roethlisberger. But for the first time in my life as a Bears fan, it was like, okay, we're down six now with a 220 to go, wherever it was. Yeah. And I had confidence we were going to score. But then Steelers get a field goal. You're down three with 26 seconds. And I had confidence. Justin Fields was going to put you in a chance to have some sort of game. You knew you had potential. a shot. You knew you had a shot for at least a Hail Mary or a 65 yarder. Yeah. We could talk about the decision, but I mean, those are things where as a spectator, you only feel that way watching Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen. It's very rare to have that feeling. And it was a very unique feeling for me where you had 26 seconds on the clock yeah. And you thought there was maybe a chance you could somehow squeak it out. So, I mean, it's it's special. It's it's special, and it feels really freaking good, although you lost. But again, and that's the other thing, too, when you talk about moral victories and why this loss doesn't hurt, they shouldn't have lost that game. I mean, that, right. that game is a win 10 out of 10 times. If you take away the dumbest effing taunting penalty in <laughs> NFL history, you take away a phantom low block call where the – James Anderson even touched TJ Watt. That wipes out a touchdown. You take yep. away the, or you add the roughing the passer call that should have mm-hmm. been called after a defender takes four steps and lights up Justin Fields. You can go down the list. That it, it, it you basically won. I mean, I'm I, you basically won the freaking game. Honestly, <laughs> like you, no, I'm serious. Like you can basically come out here saying, well, that's the definition of a moral that victory. That's, that's yeah, the definition so, of a moral victory. Like. It, it was an excruciating loss, but I mean, given what was thrown at you, considering yeah. the penalties, Agreed. you did, you did a heck of a job. So I want you to go off on the penalties. Cause I know the fans have been waiting for it. The listeners have been waiting <laughs> for it. I know you have some harsh words about it. Tell them how you really feel about the penalties. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm not going to go too deep on this because like I said, everyone's been talking about it for the last two days. I mean, yesterday and today, local media, national media, everyone's talking about it. And I mean, we'll start with the taunting, the phantom taunting call. 
Tony Carrenti. This dude turned 70 this week. Do you realize that? 70? 70 years old. Tony Carrenti turns this week. What? This week. He turns 70 years old. That should not Listen, be that, like that's insane. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're all for, hey, have a nice long life. Good for you. Retire, dude. Like, what are you doing here? At 70 years old, you're, you know, kicking it with these monsters in the NFL. Like, go be a TV analyst. Go to like all, like all the good ones. Yeah. Go and do John TV. Perry. Or and you're 70. Guys. Just retire, man. Just go sit on your porch and hang out and have a cup of coffee and bitch and moan at the TV and how new age sports sucks. Do what every old dude, do what all of our grandpas do. Just shut up. Go away. This is unbelievable that this is happening. And if you're going to, and if you're going to hire the guy NFL, Roger Goodell, Monday night football, really? You want this dude? You want this bag of bones on the front lines, man? Like, what are we doing here? He's throwing hip checks at a guy who just got pra- who got elevated from the practice squad. Happiest day of his life. He just made a great play that's probably going to get him on the active roster for another week at least. Get him another game check. He's having fun. He did a, the sickest high kick I've ever seen in my life as a celebration. Mm-hmm. That was sweet. Me and my roommates were talking about that. That was <laughs> sick. If I attempted that, I would simply, my bones would fall away into dust, just like Cody Carrenti's are on a daily basis. But, like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Like, and it's so bad because it wasn't even, like, okay, you'll get the refs that will call the taunting. Like, because, all right, Cash Marsh, yeah, you're staring down the sideline. Like, I get it. Like, he wasn't staring down the punter, staring towards the sideline, celebrating. You're caught up in the moment. First play of your life. You're in the NFL. This is great. I get it. And, you know, consider that. Yeah, consider that, dude. Like, this guy is having the best day of his life right now. He thinks he just put the ball into his offense's hands to win the Mm -hmm. damn game. So then it's not even that. It's that it went on for so long. Like, it wasn't an immediate flag when he was staring down. It was Cassius Marsh is sitting there, and he's doing his thing, and his teammates are slapping him on the back. It's only when he starts to walk away and head back to his own sideline. And Tony Correnti throws his hip out there. Like we're playing damn ice hockey in the seniors league. And then he throws it. What? It was so late. It almost like, felt intentional. Broadcast, they even said like, oh yeah, he was already reaching for it. But the well, fact of the matter is it was already when Marsh was heading back to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Like it's already well after the taunting has happened. Like, it doesn't make sense. And it's just so dumb. And that basically loses you the game because that was a huge sack on third and 15 and or whatever it was. I think it was third and 15, but a huge yeah, sack that puts them out of field goal range too, if it sticks. So they have to punt now and you get the ball back and you have a chance to ice the game basically and just run the clock with Dave Montgomery and just get down. And it's just, so unbelievable. It's so excruciating. I know we're really happy about Justin Fields and we're really happy about the way the offense played, but man, that like, I just felt for, for that dude, for Cash Marsh, because mm-hmm. you could just see, like, he was like ecstatic. Like that is the best day of his life happening right now. Immediately turned into the worst day of his life. Like you saw him try standing on the side. He was trying not to cry on the sidelines, man. Like I get that. Like that sucks. That has to be the crappiest feeling in the world and now of course like he's getting interviews in local media and people are talking about him and he said today and i think it was espn 1000 he was saying that he had pittsburgh players reach out to him and pittsburgh coaches reach out to me like that was bogus that was bullshit like that shouldn't have happened but which wow. is correct but wow. i mean like i because i was so happy for that i was like oh that's such a good story this guy gets elevated from the practice squad this week. Sweet tattoos, sweet leg kick after the sack. Makes a huge play on Monday Night Football. He's definitely going to get at least another week on the active roster just for that alone. Because, I mean, how often he the still NFL will probably. I hope so. Because now it's like, all right, now that happens. He gets screwed and he might get either cut or sent back down. Like, it sucks. And it's just, God, that bag of bones, Corrente. Like, oh my God, just excruciatingly bad. And, and the thing is, I think that made it so much worse is because that was basically the cherry on top. There was another penalty that was bad after that too. But yeah. I mean, that was the cherry on top. That was really just like a very frustrating night for the bears, both penalties earned Robert Quinn and unearned 
but like it was just the that's the one that just kind of you know anyway your turn it, 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 it it's yeah it was the dagger i think here's the problem that i have with the penalty with the rule in general with the league is tony cranky's seven years old and the league in a lot of ways and a lot of decisions that they have made recently have been trying to tailor, you know, to that fresh, you know, game of football, that more fun, that more, you know, we're, we're going to kind of give more leeway and freedom to the players. And, and, you know, you think about the celebrations, right? They, they're going to allow more celebrations. And that was really good for the league a few years ago when they did that. Uh, Cause that was just a, uh, that was coming off a year where they had decided to, you know, kind of crack down celebrations. They said, you know, we're going to open it up. We're going to have, let players have more fun. We're going to let them celebrate. We're going to let them have a little bit more emotion. So you're making decisions in other areas where around the league, you want to make it, a more fun game for everybody because you know, that's what people want. You want to tailor to a younger audience. You want to, you know, you want to bring in that market of younger people who right now they love the NBA. Yeah. You know, they and, love- and, you know, and, and that's the thing too. Speaking of the, you know, guys that got John Mara, this is his fault too. The, the well, New yeah, York it's Giants. all of their, it's all. Oh, their we're sick of the taunting. Oh, this is uh, buh, buh, buh. the whole, the whole league <sighs> agrees on it though. For some reason, every, and well, this again, this is the problem. All the owners agree on it. Cause they're all, you know, 80, 70 year old, 80, you know, white guys who don't, who, get them who out. just, who, yeah, get them out of here. We don't come on. Like, no, I'm don't, saying that get them out. <laughs> yeah. Get, get the 70 and eight white guys out of here. That's what I'm saying. But they're, they're, oh, there's, there's no place in our game for, for guys, you know, having a little bit of emotion, but the pro, so the problem is, all right, so you want to so you want to try to make the league more fun. You want to tailor it to a younger audience, but you keep stooges like Tony Crenty, who are <laughs> seventy years old around. Who I know, but the thing is, I mean, this guy grew up watching football in the nineteen forties. Not actually, he grew up watching football in like <laughs> the nineteen like eighties, seventies. But that that old Giants like assistant coach who was like ninety years old or whatever they showed him on the on the sideline. I forget how long ago this is like a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. But it was like has been a coach since nineteen fifty or something. And it was like there's no what? way dude it, like I'll send it to you after yeah, the show. But like oh my God. That's Tony Carenti. But it's Thanks like how are you so so you're and the problem and this is goes back to the whole problem I have the rule is it's a very it, it's too subjective. So you're now giving Fair. Tony Cranty too much power on what is and what is not taunting and what totes the line of taunting. His seven-year-old bum ass is going to think, you know, the way he's seen football all along. And, oh, you know, this isn't good for our game and all these guys and all. So he's going to think of his old, you know, traditional football and, and all that. And, and you know, the moment you do something that, oh, suggests that he was making a gesture or whatever, it's, it's a flag. And that's like – that's the biggest problem I have is you have, and that's the biggest problem I have with the rule is you have to make it a clear, you have to have a clear description of what taunting is. You can't leave yeah. it up to the, to the, you know, the subjection of, of the official. And the bigger problem I have though, more than the description of the rule, more than, you know, the trend of the rule and, and the conflicting things that the NFL wants to do about making the game fun. But you know, in a lot of ways making it not fun is I don't care whether you, whether you thought it was, taunting or not whether tony Crenty's old ass mind thought it was taunting and whether it towed to the line of that or not whether it was taunting other you know types of penalties in that moment after that type of play and they jake mentioned the delay that it took for him to throw that flag you don't call a flag in that moment when a player makes a game changing play like that let the players play why are you trying to get involved and in trying it's to make the game about the you point. This is it's sad, it's sad right. that this has been the talking point for the last you know, 48 hours. The talk so. and look, because look, you want to give credit to the Steelers. This, th- yeah. These guys work their ass off in practice all week. They play a hard fought, you know, credit to the Steelers. They play a hard fought three hour game. And now for them, the, the whole conversation is you guys didn't even deserve that win. You didn't even deserve it, which they didn't, but that's not their fault. That's right. the that's the fault of the officials. So now the official has taken away all the hard work that these guys did, all the validation they were supposed to get for putting working their asses off to win a football game. And you come away from it thinking, well, it wasn't that the Steelers were the better team or played the better game, is that the officials screwed the Chicago Bears over, which they did. So I have huge, huge issues with that. We're not going to go any more about it, but the league yeah. needs to reconsider the rule. They I think they might consider their I think, ideology. I think this offseason I don't know. might see that. They are very this offseason maybe, but they. I, have been I don't think very you can't imagine the NFL things. is happy about a night that Justin Fields, you know, one of the guys who you think is going to be a premier kind of quarterback going forward, or at least a face of the NFL that you hope that you can kind of advertise going forward. 
the league cannot be happy that the talking point over the last 48 hours or so is the officiating, you know, and, and granted on ESPN, we've seen a lot of Justin Fields coverage. Like, you know, you see that nationally it's too. It's been but, a topic. Yes. Yeah. But I, I mean, every time it always comes back to the officiating too. So it's, but if the I league mean, was unhappy about it, you have to hold them accountable. So if they really, if Ron was this, unhappy, they'll never then do it. Fire in the of the Tony Carrenti or suspend him. Yeah. I mean, why would you? Why? I mean, you have other referees. You can suspend Tony Crenty for a game. There has to be a sense of accountability. There's never been a sense of accountability when it comes to officials in the history of the NFL, and that's the biggest problem. They can do whatever the heck they want. They'll get flack for it. Guess what? They're still going to have a job. They're still going to get paid next week. They get paid a lot of money to do their job, and there's no accountability for it. So that's the biggest issue I have. So if you're right, like you're right, you want the, the attention, you want the headlines to be about Justin Fields having the game of his career and a young quarterback who is very, very good for the revenue and profit of the NFL to be all over the media. Then if you want that to be the case, then you have to hold the officials accountable and Tony Kareni should be and should be investigated and should be fined. Yeah. I mean, it, it won't happen, but anyway. it won't, but yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, Something that we need to talk about. I mean, obviously still the story is that the offense played so well and that you had, again, I hate to say it, but it was a well-called game by, by Bill Lazor. Uh, and unfortunately, Matt Nagy will probably take some kind of credit for it at some point, but um, it was good. What I want to say though, David Montgomery looks fine. That knee is fine. <laughs> Not worried about it. No, my takeaway though, Jake, was you can see the difference between him and Khalil Herbert. You can yes. like so Khalil I Herbert. Was reading, I was yeah. reading a couple of columns and Dan Pompey said this, like the usage rate of Khalil Herbert and Dave Montgomery in that game either says that bears fans don't value Dave Montgomery as much as they should, or that they valued Khalil Herbert more than the coaching staff did, you know? And I think that's fair. I mean, we saw it right away. Dave Montgomery's <laughs> first run of the night went for 20 yards. You know, and yeah. so like, and I do think there are times, and we've said it on the show, running backs are a dime a dozen. Running backs come like that. You know, you the turnover rate in the NFL for running backs is like it's a wheel. You know, it's constantly turning. But I think what we saw on Monday was that David Montgomery is an integral part of this team. He is going mm-hmm. to continue to be, and they're not getting rid of him anytime soon. Like that, that knee is fine. He is going to be a focal point still, which is kind of insane considering how long it took to run the damn ball last year. But I'm right. glad that we, I mean, we're establishing Dave Montgomery is, what would you say? Dave Montgomery is a top what running back in this league right now? He's a, he's a top eight running back in this league. Honestly. Really? I mean, I, I think he's top eight. I mean, I'm not going to go down the list, but I mean, his production proves it. I mean, when he's healthy, I mean, before getting injured, he he was third in the league in rushing. Yards. I was going to say and top 15. You went, no, you went, Jake you blew my number out of the water. I mean, I, if you want to name one, we can name one. We can kind of break it down. But I, okay, I, in, I in no particular order, we'll do this quickly. In no right, particular I'll, order, Zeke, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Would you put Zeke ahead of him? Yeah, right? I, 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 I think if Zeke's ahead of him, he's right in front of him. I, I don't think Zeke is that much superior okay. to Dave Montgomery. Can say the uh, offense. I, I would put him have. ahead of him. So because because okay. he's, uh, he's like close to the league lead for rushing yards right now, um, which I mean Montgomery could be. He missed time, but I would still put Zeke up there. Um, Let's do CMC Taylor. Yes, Jonathan Taylor CFC. is arguably the best running back in the NFL right now, if not the okay, best. Nick um, Chubb. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook. I would I would say yes, Dalvin Cook, okay. Joe Mixon? No, God, no. No? I don't think Joe right, Mixon. So, no, right, Joe Mixon is not better than Demon Cameron. We're at six. Uh, I mean... I mean, we're definitely forgetting, to, guys. What I have to do is pull up my, my fantasy league and, and see the R&R are in the fantasy league there's other guys that came to mind um like uh aaron jones but i don't i think i don't think i I, I I wouldn't put aaron jones in front of him i i think dave montgomery's in front of a josh jacobs uh i think he's in front of oh alvin Kamara is the one we missed okay that's um alvin Kamara, and then after that jake after that i mean austin eckler maybe austin eckler but as a pure runner dave montgomery's a Better pure this, runner than Austin Eckler. This year, Eckler. would you say Daryl Henderson? This no, year alone, I, I, no, no, I, I, no, I'm not giving Daryl Henderson that much credit. Um, so after that, I mean, no one from Arizona, no one from San Fran. I'm going through the numbers. I'm going through the the names. Okay, so he, just, just so we can not, move on, well, yeah, not, we'll, we'll say about a borderline or ish top ten ish running back. Okay, so. Again, but to the point, the greater point that I was trying to make, David Montgomery is going to stick around. I think his fifth year option is next year, right? 
Uh, I think or there's next year's fourth year. I can't remember. When was David? This is really good. He was drafted 2018. Was 2019. 2019? So 2019 was his rookie Stupid year. Me. 2020, 2021. So third year. People forget right. we do this show live. Okay. Right. We do this show live. Yes. Yeah, so this, this is his third year. Yes. This should be his third year. If you so we got two more years correctly. of Dave Montgomery. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Assuming I mean, but they look- pick up his fifth year option. Yeah, it, it was just little things, though, honestly, that you could tell. Like, I, it was just he, – he, you could just tell he's more polished. The vision was better. Yeah. All of those things were – and look, he outgained Najee Harris, who the 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 Monday night broadcast was was awful, and they talked to Na, about Najee Harris for about Dude. 30 minutes straight, and they lied about him laying on the floor every night, and he goes to Twitter and he says – Dude, it was so no bad how they would, they would go in and out of breaks. To, like, yes. uh, they, they said at one they point, said, on, the other, yes. on the other side, we'll talk more yeah, about we'll talk about. Harris. I was like, are you I, – I lost it. I lost it. I was like, look, the kid's good. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good guy and he's a really good player. But my dad was texting me. He's like, I don't have the luxury to do this because I'm in Ohio. He's like, I turned on WBBM and I just listened to WBBM and I listened to Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer throughout the course of the game. And he does that when the broadcast sucks. I'm like, dude, that is is the move. That is a great call by Like, they they were bad. But um, he, Dave Montgomery, that is outgained Najee Harris on nine less carries. So quite frankly, I don't know why we weren't talking more about Dave Montgomery in that game. And that was a game where it was very low usage. And, you know, they were down big uh, at the half and then third quarter that they really couldn't rely on Dave Montgomery. If they right. had given him 20, 20 carries, he probably would have had 100 yards and maybe a touchdown. That's the first so, water bottle kick we've had in a long time. That, feel, that, that feels is, good. That's uh, the first one we've had in a while. Yeah, I, I got to have the water bottle kick at some point. We're back to our roots. <laughs> but um, screw all of you who thought Dave Montgomery should have been traded. That was – I don't know what that Well, was I don't know if we said – like there were a lot of people – well, we, we did. There were a lot of rumors over the summer. And we were and we were looking yeah, at I, it. I, I don't know if we were celebrating. I mean, we weren't. People were doing that at the trade deadline, though. I'm not talking about the summer. Like people were talking about, oh, you have Kalu Herbert now. Trade Dave Montgomery. He's not worth anything because Kalu Herbert can give you the same production. But it was evident that that's not the Who case. Who the so. hell are you following on Twitter? There, no, there were <laughs> Jake. It doesn't take a lot for Bears. What I tell you, you know, one one guy does something and he should be traded. And 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 yeah. you know the uh, like I said about the free agents who no matter who it is come to Chicago, right? I mean that's. <laughs> That's what happened. That's, so that's one, wild. That, that that is an actual tweet or actual, actual take that was made. That is wild. But anyway, I, I want to get back to something because you know we are running out of time here. Defensively, not the best game. Obviously, you're yeah. missing a couple of your top contributors. It's a little scary because we know Eddie Jackson hasn't been the best over the last couple of years. He's kind of fallen out of favor, I guess, with Bears fans. Uh, I, I think is the right way to put that. And that's, I, and I think rightfully yeah. so he has not played nearly as well as he did a couple of years ago, but the drop off from Eddie Jackson to the next man up is scary. And, but that's look, a good thing. Like, and, and I mean, it's a good thing in, in your evaluation of J- Eddie Jackson. That is because now you recognize guess, that yeah. although we're bashing him, it's like, Holy shit. You know, maybe he was better than what we expected. Right. Yeah. Well, and to that point thought. also, I mean, though, when you continue, like, lack of Eddie Jackson, and, and, I mean, you were missing uh, – who else were you missing in the secondary? Uh, I don't think you were down another a corner. You are missing someone else. You, you You've missing, been you know, missing Deion Bush. Deion Bush. I mean, he's that's, that's he's been I mean. out so, for so a while. So, you're, like, you're, you're missing Eddie Jackson and Deion Bush, but, my God, the, you know, when you go down the line – you're down to tease Tabor and Kendall Vildor is like, you know, your next best defensive back. Dios me. That was like Kendall Vildor was getting picked on by noodle arm Ben Roethlisberger. Uh. And I mean, the fact that Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller were both allowed to walk out that door at the times that they were is scary. And I mean, it's just, I mean, this secondary needs work this offseason. Like, that is something that is going to need to be addressed. Major. Possibly first and foremost. I mean, that might be the, the number one. I think it is. I, I, I think mean, it is. I, I mean, I think wide receiver. Maybe wide receiver if Allen Robinson walks, which he right. will. He will, yeah. Eh. I think, I, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe not anymore. Bring, but, in, bring in a new GM, a new head coach who can maybe mend relationships. 
Yeah, I mean, the coverage was bad. I, I, I think the, the biggest problem I had, though, defensively was they weren't able to get any pressure. I mean, Sam Kamara yeah. was, was, was not getting after it. Uh, even Akeem Hicks went out. Eddie Goldman looked really good. He I did, liked for the I first time Eddie all year, Eddie Goldman um, I think played really well. I think Robert Quinn is, you know, nothing special without Khalil Mack, honestly. I think he's, I agree. He, you know, he, he can't do it himself. I think, and maybe I he's think not he's expected a good to do it himself. Complimentary guy. Yes, exactly. I think, and I think it, if he's in the right complimentary role, he could be worth that money or close to that yeah. money. But if he's asked to carry the show, not happening. Yeah, and, and again, like, like, well, and I think it's with Robert Quinn. I don't think we would be criticizing him as much today if he hadn't had those boneheaded offsides two like back to back. That, yeah. Like as a were, veteran, he just knows better. That, right. That's exactly. Just such a... When Matt Nagy has to yell you, Robert, get off the damn line. Like you read it on his lips. That's yeah. a problem. That is, that is a problem. So, I mean, but the lack of, I mean, there were a number of plays where, you know, and, and this is not even the fault of the secondary. Ben Roethlisberger has five seconds to throw. And, right. you know, if, if you give him that much time, guys are going to run around. I mean, they, they have a versatile offense in Pittsburgh. Guys are going to run around, and they're going to get open, and that's what happened. I mean, it was just the fact that coverage might have been good for the first three seconds. No one gets after the quarterback on a three-man rush. Guys going to get open regardless of how many guys you got. They got dime package or, you know, whatever you're playing back there. So you you missed Khalil Mack on, uh, on Monday, and they get lucky that they get the bye week, and they'll probably get him back before the Ravens game. Because I think the Ravens okay. are a beatable team, and, and, and you'll have a chance to win that game if Khalil comes back. But that lack of pressure was – was definitely concerning because we had thought, you know, early on in the season, well, even if you do lose Khalil Mack, Travis Gibson looked really good in the preseason. Maybe he can step up. Robert Quinn was looking better. Yeah, it just shows it just show again when you talk about how important these guys are and you don't figure that out until you lose them. That's right. that's more evident for Khalil Mack than it is for anybody. It is just how different that pass rush is and that front seven is and the com- the attention that he commands uh up front is just it's it's different, man. So I liked I, I I didn't like what I see from, from what I saw from the defense uh, at all. But again, I'm not going to evaluate that too much because of injuries. Real quick, off, there's two other things I want to touch on. Okay. Uh, quick notes: offensive line. I thought Larry Borum looked really good. You mentioned yep. that, and you're starting to kind of be a little bit optimistic. I know a lot of our outlook on the Bears now has to do with you know a year down the road, multiple years down the road. But you know you have James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, and uh, and Larry Borum for the Jenkins. Oh, you should you should. For the next, at least next year, next two, all you got to do is make one free agent signing at center probably and maybe some depth at, at guard uh, and tackle. And I think you're fine offensive line in the future. Other thing too, going back to Justin Fields, what I think is important, number one, next-gen stats, he was number one week nine, air yards to the sticks was 6.4. So what is that? what that means is air yards to the sticks shows the amount of air yards ahead or behind the first down marker on all attempts for a passer he is attempting. So – 6.4 yards ahead of the first down marker is where he was throwing. So if he had a negative, you know, area to the sticks number, he wouldn't be throwing it to the first down. Marker. He'd be throwing short of it. And what, and why I use this is for reference, Mac Jones was negative 3.5 in week nine. He's negative 1.2 on the year. Justin Fields is just one of three quarterbacks in the NFL to have a positive air yards to the sticks number. He's just behind Lamar Jackson and the one, there's one person behind him. He's second in the NFL. So he's attempting to get you those plays beyond the sticks. He's attempting right. and He's the, the, the intention, the attention of the stat is to describe whether a quarterback is trying to make the play himself by, you know, making throws or if he's allowing his receivers to get yards after the catch, Justin Fields is trying to make the play at sometimes I would love him just, or I'd love the play design to be, Hey, let's just get darn and the ball in open space. But He's not sure. just trying to dump it off and allow the rece- and allow the receivers and the running backs and the playmakers to do it themselves. He's trying to do it himself. And there, again, sometimes it's a bad Which, thing, but mostly point, it's a good thing. So to, to that point, like he's tucking and running when he doesn't like what he sees in the coverage now. Exactly. Like, like especially we saw that Monday, which was great. Um, last couple of minutes because you got to go. So we're going to end yep. a couple of minutes early. <clears throat> we're going into the bye. So next week we're probably going to do another, just one episode just to evaluate everything. But really mm-hmm. quickly, well, let's do a couple grades in the last couple of minutes that we have. Oh, uh, uh, what's up? Let's go. I like that. All right. So, all right. So let's go Justin Fields through, you know, we're going to the bye. couple starts under his belt. Just had his, you know, best start of his career. Great for Justin Fields so far. As a rookie, like yeah. for, for B plus. Okay. 
I, I think that's what fair. I would you? agree with that. I, I you know, I, I'm just below an A just because it did take a little bit longer. But I mean, that like I don't want to do too much recency bias either. Going yeah. forward, though, I would say future like projection A. I think like I think yeah. we're just going to continue future to projection see this. A. Yeah. Um. Let's go something that because I wanted to hit on this when we were talking about defense. Sean Desai, great. And we, and what is really his rookie year as a defensive coordinator? I'm going to give him a B. Um, I Again, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, considering injuries and, and, and personnel deficiencies in certain areas. I, I haven't been angry about packages that he's put together. I've been angry about blitzing situations. I've been angry about the development of players. I, I think you can only evaluate it so much. For So for that case, I'll go B. Uh, I, I'm going to go B plus just because I think injuries and stuff that has had like outside factors, which you kind of alluded to, has yeah. had a lot to do with how he's had to adjust and how things have had to change from week to week. But I would yeah. go B plus. I think Sean Desai is going to be sticking around next year as well. Um, let's do another one. Let's do one more to close it out. Matt Nagy, we know what the grade's going to be there. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you got one more you want to do? Anyone that comes to mind? Uh, um, Darno Mooney grade. Oh, hey, he's turning into okay. like, like, I, I think because also part of that is projection as well. I think that chemistry with Justin Fields is going to continue to grow. And I think, okay. and I said this last week, I think Darnell Mooney, I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I don't think he's going to be a DeAndre, a DeAndre Hopkins, a Tyree kill, uh, you know, whoever, but I think he's going to be a top 20 receiver with a couple top 15 years hmm. here and there. Hmm. I mean, that's, I, you know what he, you know, what I, I think he could be like. I think he could be like a Debo Samuel. I don't see why he couldn't That's be fair. a Debo Samuel type player. Debo Samuel's drafted significantly higher than where Darnell Mooney was, but they're similar players in that aspect. So um, we got to run out of here, but I like those grades, man. And, you know, we got the bye week coming up, so we'll have some fun content. Maybe we'll get a guest. Maybe we'll get Shane on here to fuck around on the bye week. I don't know. We'll do something fun. <laughs> Maybe we'll debut a Bears Nation pod after dark. <laughs> God All right. that. It might well be we got it that ends today's episode we will be back next week thank you to everyone who watched thank you to all the listeners as always we appreciate you all very much for myself jake Hassan, as always with kevin latka this has been bears nation podcast thanks for hanging out with us we will see you next week and as always bear down bear down Yeah.